Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stress test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello, Victoria. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Sorry. I know I'm under like contractual obligation to sing everything. I love it. Could you sing your um, your dishes later? Sure. Yeah. No problem. You're in, in French. In fr- oh no, not in French. En <laughs> français. That's my favorite Simpsons episode. Do you know that Simpsons episode where? Which one? <laughs> where they sing in French? Where yeah, they say something in French. They're all in class, and the teachers they all they all laugh at something, and she goes, "En français, s'il vous plaît," and they all go, "Hop hop 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 hop." <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to translate to audio, but, but anyway. no, I thought you did your French laugh very well. Thank you. And my niche talents on my CV. <laughs> Dolphin noises and French laughing. Wow, we digress. What have you been looking at, loving, enviewing, thinking enjoying, about. thinking? So, I have a yes. bit of a, maybe, perhaps a bit of a niche thing to talk about today. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't like well. them at all. As opposed to dolphin noises and French <laughs> laughing. You know, there's a lot of dolphins in the world, a lot of French people in the world. Um, so... You know how the world is bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, very, very bad. The, wor- <laughs> the world's rough at the moment, and my world is particularly stressful for a number of reasons. And so I'm trying to find joy in various places. It's quite difficult because the world is on fire. Yeah, and my life sometimes feels like it's on fire. Outside um, of the podcast, surely. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the podcast, my <laughs> my microphone is doing just great. It's very cool. <laughs> So what I found brings me a lot of joy is a little TV show called Ted Lasso. Oh, I've heard about this. (laughs) Yeah, it brings me so much joy. And I I knew that I don't, I I think I knew that you hadn't been watching it. No, I haven't watched it. It's on Apple TV and it's it's in its second season and it's not food related at all, but you'll see where I'm going. (laughs) So it's about 
an American guy who comes to the UK to manage a football team, oh. uh, the chairman of a football team, a soccer team, English football, mm. not American football, hires him as a revenge thing. Anyway, it sounds like... I don't like explaining it to people because it sounds shit. Yeah, yeah. But it's so good and it's so, like, wholesome and good and it's not... You know, we all love a high drama and a true crime and yeah. all that crap, right? But it's just... I cry every time because everybody in it is just so good and it's all just like, it's so nice oh. and, you know, it's not like, you know, watching Bob the Builder. Like, it, it's it's very like, it's got, it's got some good themes and the characters are great. Yeah. It's just wonderful. Oh. Uh, comes out on a Friday, you know, you've had a shitty week. Yeah, yeah. Like, right, I'm just going to go and like lose myself in the world of Ted Lasso. <laughs> and anyway, something happened in the one this week and I was like, I've just been like a bit like, oh, thinking about it all weekend. So there's a plot line where Ted, who's the, the coach, yeah. brings his boss, the chairman of the football team, biscuits every day. Right. Actual in... biscuits or like American biscuits? No, like they're like, like, like little shortbreads. Right. Uh, okay. In a little pink box and, and she goes crazy for them. Okay. Uh, and it turns out he's making them uh. every day for her and she <laughs> loves them and Anyway, uh, so I made them. You made <laughs> to make them. myself happy. Yeah, because I kept seeing the recipe, like you know, people talking about the recipe, and I saw it on TikTok. People were coming, and I was like, I want to make the Ted Lasso biscuits. Oh my god! So I made them today. Oh my god, they look so good. They're like a little shortbread. And you um, have previously said that the only way you're willing to eat shortbread is if it's just you've baked it yourself or someone's baked it and it's fresh out the oven, it's right? Fresh, yeah. And so they're sitting next to me, and I've been <gasps> chomping down on them. And it's such a simple recipe. But what I what thought was interesting about the recipe, um, I don't know if this is an American thing, or maybe this is just how you make shortbread, I don't know. Mm. But it's with icing sugar. Is it? Is that normal? No, I feel like when I've made it before, I don't think it's always been icing sugar. I think I've made Paul Hollywood's version. Is there a bigger Paul Hollywood stan than you? Honestly. I feel like... Oh my God! There, like a... it's not, there is are many. <laughs> I would hope there are fucking many. <laughs> <laughs> no, he like uses a lot of your go-to sugar. recipe. No, you, you know what? For bread, most bread things, I go to Paul Hollywood because I think he actually knows like a lot about like yeast bread <laughs> baking. <laughs> oh God, don't just don't don't do it. No, I I his focaccia recipe is my also my go-to recipe. There you go, right? <laughs> I feel like a lot of your go-to recipes are Paul Hollywood, and that's fine. <laughs> Can we move back to the shortbread there? Yeah. No, he didn't. So- that one that I used. <laughs> had caster sugar not icing sugar so yeah so this goes one step further and uses icing sugar or confectioner's sugar <laughs> if you're uh american and it just means that the dough is it just feels like play-doh yes yeah yeah how is it it's good it's um it's very buttery but shortbread is it's got like eight ounces of butter in it right um I did it American style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although I can't get sticks of butter. Uh, <laughs> I managed to get eight ounces of butter, which is a lot. It's almost a whole a block. Yeah. Yeah, it's like two cups of flour. It's, that's literally all it is. Like butter, you cream that up with the confectioner's sugar, icing <laughs> sugar. Like three quarters of a cup of that, two things of flour, a little bit of salt. That is it. Wow. And then just like pat it down into a baking tray and then cook it for like 45 minutes. And it's so good, and it just, you know, Aww. it's cute. Yeah, this is the official Apple TV recipe that I found on kitchen.com. It's good to know, because that is the kind of thing that you could literally make 
just with stuff you have at home, right? That's comforting. So, yeah, exactly. Like you just ha- you have all those things in your house, and yeah, it, it means that the dough is like it feels easy to like put it into it yeah interesting i think there's like a whole series for us in tv recipes or movie recipes that would be so good yeah i think so uh or like mini shows and stuff but yeah watch ted lasso this isn't you know this this episode isn't sponsored by apple tv but like (laughs) it's so good and it just makes me so happy oh but you don't have to like football to watch it that's my thing don't think that you have to it's not really about that okay i'm sold yeah Anyway, so that's my... That's your hot tip of the week. <laughs> that's my hot tip of the week. Shortbread <laughs> and Ted Lasso, what a dream. What a dream evening. But. But. That's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I like this transition. We've just gone to the front of this. <laughs> Someone says, but, loudly. <laughs> and that's how we transition into the book of the week. <laughs> it's the ultimate obvious segue. Just, like, interrupt yeah. and be rude. However. I think you'll find <laughs> the... No book that we're no, talking no, no, about no. today is another classique from oh, classique en français <laughs> by a very well-known and loved chef called elizabeth david Woo-hoo. and this is provincial provincial french cooking Preferential, preferential, cooking, preferential, provincial, preventative, prevent your French cooking. Before we get to that, I will remind I you what we do here, which is Vic and I took all the best cookbook lists. What do we do? Never know. We like shortbread. <laughs> no. We took all the lists online of the best cookbooks ever, put them into one big old master list. Vic is now eating a shortbread and making me hungry. And um, took the top books on that list, so the top, the most mentioned cookbooks, and we cook from them, and we discuss them, and we rate them. So... We do. Oh, she's off mute now. She's back. <laughs> um... Shall I tell you a little bit about Elizabeth David? Yes. I don't know very much about her, I'll be honest. Um, I know that she's, you know, kind of a big deal. But that She is a big deal. And it? now I see why. So, like, I think sometimes when we do this bit where we re- research the chefs, it can be hard to find out anything interesting or, like, juicy. Well... With Elizabeth well, David, that is not the case. Uh, someone needs to make a film or like a... I can see like a BBC short series about Elizabeth David because she sounds Ooh. great. Disclaimer, I'm not going to be able to cover everything because there's actually just loads of interesting interviews and profiles and stuff about her online. And I would recommend that everyone looks her up if you're interested. I actually ordered her biography Right, Did this you? morning when I was researching her. So I was like, shit, she sounds interesting. This I was just so going to say, is there a biography? Yeah, there's a couple by the sounds of it. When I was growing up, I always, I think I said at the end of the last episode, but she was always on my mum's cookbook shelf. And I know my mum has a lot of love for her. Um, so I'll probably end up mentioning her a bit. But yeah, this is why I, I, I still felt like I didn't know that much about her. So this is why it's interesting. Let me tell you why Yay! it's interesting. I want to hear <laughs> So Elizabeth David was born in 1913. So we're throwing it back quite a bit. Um, And she passed away in 1992. But she was, she wasn't born Elizabeth David. She was born Elizabeth Gwynne. I couldn't find, I'm sure there is somewhere, but uh, I couldn't find why she changed her name or why it was to David. But maybe one of our lovely listeners can pass that one along. That is very similar to your surname. Is she your actual mom? Gwyn. Gwyn and Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm outed now. This, I'm from the long Gwyn lineage. 
Um, no, this <laughs> is... Don't say that ten times. <laughs> this is why you'll see I'm not related to her, was that she was born to an upper-class family. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that comes across in her writing, right? She's very eloquent, quite proper in how she speaks. Yeah. And apparently was quite pedantic, but we'll get back to that later. Her dad was a Conservative MP for Eastbourne. Um, yes, we'll refrain commenting on that. Um, but so, yeah, so this is what I mean. She had a great life. She, it seems like she went off at like age 16 to Paris to study in the Sorbonne, to study art in the 30s. I think she was in France a couple of times from what I can tell. But at one point she kind of ran off with this married man. She has a lot of affairs and a lot of... I've never read the word lover so much as when I was doing this oh. research on her. And I mean, I would fucking die if anyone said that word now. But of a period, that word is like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. I took a lover. And is, so- she, <laughs> is she like a she sexy, sexy woman? She, yes, by all accounts, was a very attractive woman. And so, she, yes, yeah, so she quite an interesting love life. So she ran off with a married man and then she s- sailed with him on a small boat to Italy um, is that nursery rhymes? <laughs> and there was an owl and there was a pussycat. And... <laughs> but it was this was all while well, Second World War was kicking off, right? So they, they were actually just, it's just casually mentions in a few pieces that she and the guy were just, they were just interned for a while in Italy. No big deal. And their their boat was impounded and they lost loads of their stuff. And they managed to, they managed to get out of Italy and they went to Greece at one point where they were nearly trapped by the German invasion in 1941. So there was just loads of war drama going on as her and her lover, her married lover are just like fleeing around Europe. Like it's just so juicy. I love it. And then they managed to escape to Egypt where they parted ways, I think, that that one didn't work out. And that that's a running theme. It seems like she has a lot of lovers. Right. It doesn't always go so well. So then she starts working for the British government in Cairo. She's running a library there. And she married while she was there, but that one didn't last that long. And I think it was th- with this husband that she moved to New Delhi in 1944. Okay. Yeah, so she's just flitting around the place. She didn't love India, by the sounds of it. Okay. Which, yeah, because I was surprised to see India in there because... I haven't heard much about her with Indian cooking and maybe, yeah, that wasn't her vibe. Anyway, so in 1946, she returns to England. After being in France and Italy and Greece and Egypt, she's just like so disappointed by the food in Britain because rationing is still in place. <laughs> you're laughing because you're like, yeah, mate, it hasn't yeah, changed same. that much. But like, <laughs> but back in the day, like in 46, rationing was still heavily in place and she was just despairing a little bit. I was asking my mum about this as well and like why she loved Elizabeth David so much and my mum was born in Malta and lived there for the first few years of her life and she had a similar thing was even though it was later on in like the 50s I still think like rationing and lack of food choice was like a major thing this comes up again and again is what like why people love Elizabeth David and it's like she reinvigorated the whole kind of food scene because everyone was just despairing a bit at how shit what shit produce they were getting produce so (laughs) so she starts writing in Harper's Bazaar about Mediterranean cooking and she was a food journalist all throughout the years she worked for Sunday Times Vogue Spectator Tatler Uh yeah just like a 
bloody great like food <laughs> writing career and then in 1950 at the age of 36 she published her first book which was a book of Mediterranean food and then this later was followed by like some French books French Italian and even English cuisine which I'd be quite interested to see what the English book is like because yeah I thought that as well when I saw that she'd done some on English food it's just like don't bother so I said yeah so her kind of ethos is that she she doesn't like overly elaborate food. She likes quite simplistic. Yeah. She apparently despaired quite openly about how the English made pizzas. Um, but she always complained about that a lot. Yeah, so in 1965, she actually opened a shop in Pimlico. Of course. That sold kitchen equipment. Fun! I think they fell out in 1973, whoever she opened the, the shop with, but it continued to trade under her name. But apparently she really liked being a shopkeeper and she it was like a welcome break from writing and she used to love like interacting with people and stuff. And then she, if people came in looking for a certain piece of equipment, she was like often heard to say, if you could come back, then I think I have one at home. And she would just like bring stuff from what? home and just like bring it to people because she was really generous and loved sharing all her kind of oh, niche food equipment i know my mom actually went to that shop she said which i'm quite Aww. jealous of i would love to have gone as well it sounds bloody great not enough kitchen supply stores in the world i don't think no there are there's loads in paris and they're great but they're just so expensive or if you even think of like borough the one at borough market yeah. that has loads of great so cookery stuff it's just not accessible which is really not fun yeah i went to one in paris last year and it was so they're so fun just to walk around and ah they're just beautiful yeah so my mom actually found this piece from 1986 from the observer in one of her old copies of the books and it was called founder of the food revolution Mm. and she'd just been made cbe in the new year's honors and she'd received obe in 1976 there's kind of a bit that's saying like she should have been made a dame it was tragic that she wasn't but a quote in that article said it's hard to credit today how exciting and inspiring the writing of mrs david seemed to a war generation starved of good food and ingredients for over 10 years anyway to wrap up about Elizabeth, David, one of her like best mates is our friend Hoppy, Simon Hopkinson. No way! But their vibes are very different. Well, I don't know. So Apart from, you know, France. Apart from, there's a whole piece on The Observer about how they were really close and that she... They first met at his restaurant, Hilaire, and he made like this consomme with prawn shells and she ordered more which he was thrilled by and he came out and or he had her book an omelette and a glass of wine and he asked her to sign it for him and then they became friends he actually cooked at her funeral which is mad so he was just like yeah they got really really close apparently big fan of wine and and by all accounts not an easy person so this is something that like comes across in loads of the profiles of her there's a quote in this that says if you didn't agree with her those little beady eyes would pop right open she could be vociferous Uh, uh. she could be pedantic too my thing this is simon hopkinson talking about her my thing about crisp and crispy because he loathes the latter word came from her in the beginning she pointed it out one day the fact that the extra y is completely unnecessary and i thought yes you're right and she was so learned and intelligent. So she just comes across as just this very strong, wow. independent, great woman. Anyway, this book, French Provincial Cooking, was first published in 1960. And who it was dedicated to was Peter wow. Higgins, who she also had an affair with. Oh. The affair ended in 1963. 
So at least he got a good three years out of that dedication <laughs> to the book before it all went yeah. wrong. When you look at kind of the list that this ends up on, loads of them say that it should be kind of approached and read as like a series of short stories. Like it looks like okay. a novel, doesn't it? Like it's not... Yeah, it's dense. It's dense, there's not many pictures. It's a bit like Julia Child-esque. It's just like pages and pages of recipes and stories about... Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, this whole book is like a celebration of French regional cooking she has a section at the beginning that's like the cookery of the French provinces and it goes through like Provence and Brittany and Paris and all the different places and talks about that but interestingly it appears in, in like Nigel Slater's top five books and yeah. when he's talking about it he says one of the things that very few people don't dare to mention about Elizabeth David is that some of her recipes don't work it's heresy to say oh. so but they don't she was quite bad tempered but she wrote magically but I thought that was so interesting because I definitely see how some of these recipes couldn't work because she's not that like she's not that measured she's not that emphatic about how to do certain things it's just kind of of like put this here and add this there yeah. and it's very much like instinct led which I guess like that came of a different time the very like measured approach but she is just quite loose in her instructions so I can see how like some of it might have gone a bit wrong and I feel like there's a lot of caveats sometimes in the in the recipes right especially in the ones I made like there's like here's the recipe but if you don't do this right then it'll go completely wrong and like you probably need to make this a few times to get it exactly yes. right but she doesn't ever tell you what exactly right means. yeah 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 so yeah I get that it is hard isn't it like I mean with these older books without the pictures and all that stuff you don't really know what you're aiming for sometimes yeah I did really like in the back this kind of this section on cookery books there's like a chapter at the back. I don't know if you saw that. And she she credits her favourite books. It's right before the bibliography. Oh. And then I thought she includes this quote, which like, for myself, I like those books which are not too complicated and which suggest ideas rather than being minutely detailed handbooks. And that quote is from someone else, but it just like shows how she doesn't really go in for like tons of detail and tons of instruction either yeah i feel like she says that at the beginning right there's like a preface or something yeah like that says <clears throat> she's talking about simple cooking and how simple doesn't mean easy or doesn't mean like untechnical yeah. or like you just throw everything in it's just a case of like boiling something down to like what's this recipe's like, core ingredients and like do you need more because you know figuring out for yourself like what is it that you like about a recipe yes there's one recipe in here that's like a rice and tomato salad thing and it's just like literally make rice she drains mm. it in a colander which is controversial very <laughs> and i think you just season it then you skin some tomatoes and you slice them and you put them on top of the rice and that's the salad and she talks about eating it as like a vegetable main and i was curious to eat it because i was just like i nearly made it but i was just like on paper this does not sound yeah, that yeah, great yeah. that doesn't sound like i want to eat it really yeah but maybe it was in the seasoning or something i don't know What were like your first impressions? Did you find it hard to figure out what you wanted to cook? Yeah, I did. I like. I feel like I went all the way through it once, and I was like, "Wow, I've turned no pages over. I've made no <laughs> sticky notes." Um, but but I think that is because it's like like you said, like a lot of it's very simple. It's very yeah. like, and I think I was, you know, I've been burned before with our French books where everything seems very serious and full mm. of butter and full mm. of cream and like yeah. I you know I'm not in a place where I want to do anything more with that um <laughs> and so I was I think I was 
a bit defensive about what I wanted to do. But, and I'll talk a little bit when I, about how I chose my recipes and, and how I got to them. But like, and but then I kind of just relaxed a bit into it because things were like simple and I think, right, I'm not going to be working really hard yeah. here. But this is a very well-respected cookbook. Yeah. So I've got to give it the opportunity. Um, That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to give it a chance because it's like, there is the classic French things in there. Yeah. But there's also, um, you know, like you said, rice and tomatoes. Yeah, like yeah. Load of soups. Lots of soups. A lot of vegetables, actually. Yeah which is nice lots of eggs and stuff as well yeah poached eggs and different types of omelets it's again it's just another of these books that like it's hard for us to judge now because we weren't there but you can imagine that like if people were eating just like really bleak things like one of the one of the pieces i read about her the writer had gone to read some wartime cookbooks or like some rationing cookbooks to understand and there was things like crow that people were eating just because they were so desperate so if you're coming from that kind of place of absolute shot yeah 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 and then you're reading about beautiful colorful delicious mediterranean and french food like it must have been yeah revolutionary yeah and maybe you know in 50 years 100 years when our ancestors are doing like cookbook circles (laughs) (laughs) about cookbooks of this day like maybe that's this is how they'll talk about nigel slater yeah when you know like figs are extinct or something or like you know Brexit has meant that the UK no longer has any fresh produce. Everyone's eating that. Like, what's that weird shit that people put? Huel. Huel. What is that? I was just talking like powdered milkshake. Oh my God. For energy. Because nobody nobody sits down to eat anymore. That's weird. But everyone will be reading Nigel Slater books like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is so weird. Like, why would you eat like this? And maybe that's how. (laughs) Not that Elizabeth David's food is weird, but like, you know. Yeah. Like, wow, there's no chemicals in this. What does that mean? Like, how how did people live? Oh, gross. What did you cook? So I cooked two things. Two things. But I enjoyed baking them both, actually. Both felt very simple. So the first one was, I'm not going to say it in French, it's the cream of tomato and potato soup. Oh, nice. Yeah. Who doesn't love a soup? And, you know, it's August, so it's basically winter. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like I say that every episode. I say how cold <laughs> it is every episode. We just haven't had a summer no. in the UK. Anyway, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, it's a soup. It's cream. It has cream in it because it's... Um, you know, French. I don't know why it's called tomato and potato soup when leeks feature heavily oh, really? as well. Like that that's got big leek energy in it. <laughs> um and not that much tomato in comparison to the leeks I found and yeah. potatoes. But anyway, I picked it because it's tomato season, baby. <laughs> yes. And I was like, you know, there's tomatoes everywhere, like good, fresh, good tomatoes. I was like, we can, we can. There's our tomato mention of the episode. <laughs> yeah. We like ripe tomatoes, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we like ripe, delicious tomatoes that actually taste like something. <laughs> my funny anecdote from this week, from cooking for this, for everything, is that my local produce shop that I go to <laughs> doesn't have any scales. So all the food's outside, doesn't have uh, any scales. And so tomatoes and courgettes in my next thing feature heavily. And so I knew how much I needed total <laughs> yeah. weight-wise, but I just had to guess. So I came home with a lot of excess tomatoes and courgettes because <laughs> what I've learned is my estimates aren't great. <laughs> Estigrate, no. <laughs> Oh my God. So I had so much excess 
fucking tomatoes and courgettes, which is fine because we love tomatoes when they're ripe and in season. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of them in this book as well. Yeah, like, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what happens? So, um, also, as we know, I don't, I don't have potatoes. I don't eat potatoes at home, really. Yes. Um, so I had to acquire some potatoes. But <laughs> I had to acquire some potatoes. <laughs> also something that I feel like supermarkets, they taste like shit, right? Give me yeah, potatoes that yeah. taste like something. Maris Pipers are your boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I did. Let me tell you about my potatoes. <laughs> Our girl, Georgina Hayden, who we love. We uh, do. Greek Cypriot chef who lives in the UK and she'd been on TV basically that morning and I've heard her talk about Cypress potatoes before and I was like I'm yes. going to sign some fucking Cypress potatoes for this <laughs> recipe because um, she was like hyping them up and then she was talking about them on Instagram and I was like I trust you basically with my life Georgia yeah. Taylor so uh, I'm going to go and find some Cypress potatoes so I had Cypress potatoes I had tomatoes I had leeks I had cream I had water okay. I had a pan <laughs> um you cook up the leeks i would say you would sweat them she doesn't yes. use the word it doesn't use the word the verb sweat okay. in them but she does say that the success of this recipe banks on you not fucking the leeks up basically <laughs> shouldn't use those words <laughs> that um, would be very uncouth <laughs> for elizabeth <laughs> but that's basically what she was saying like if you let them cook too much or you they're basically just supposed to like melt i think she uses right. the verb melt leeks don't melt but I would say sweat. So I feel like I did all right with that. Um, and then you chop up the tomatoes and potatoes. And I think this is this comes up a lot. You cook the tomatoes until they're, they've just released their juices. <laughs> is this the salty as the summer sea of this book? <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. Literally that. And then, so just those three things. All, you cook them up for a little bit. Then you add some water to cover that up. Come and bring it to the boil. Let it simmer for about half an hour. And then, of course, you send it through the food mill. Oh, <laughs> I've, I've lent my food mill out to my neighbour, so I just used so it. What the hell is a food mill? <laughs> I think I think it's exactly what it sounds like, like like a I don't know what it is. a pre electricity <laughs> food processor. That's really tickled me. I read about her. Um, ser- she had a servant as well, so, which I think she of course yeah. She I thought she she brought him or them everywhere. So this maybe she got the servant to bring it to the food mill or to put it to the food mill. <laughs> Twice if necessary, you have to put it in. <laughs> wow. I used a stick blend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She would have approved, I think. <laughs> and then you add some cream. She says that you should make sure that you bring, uh, if it's if the cream is cold or if the your house is cold or whatever, uh, you should bring the soup to the boil first so it doesn't curdle. Yeah. yeah, it was good. She says that it should only be as thick as a thin cream oh um which i was like it's a bit it's got potatoes yeah in it. yeah yeah and i got it as smooth as i possibly could but i didn't sit there making it like watery because who wants a watery no. soup heinz would not make a watery soup no. you know a cream of tomato watery soup it was good yeah i liked it nice yeah it was it, it felt it was very reminiscent of heinz it, i don't think it was tomatoey enough yes um for a tomato soup um but the leeks definitely like added to it i thought what would you rename this soup if you could rename it as anything a vegetable soup or like <laughs> leek and potato soup with p- tomatoes <laughs> inspired cream. i love it a cream of leek and potato soup. 
<laughs> with tomato. It was hearty. Hearty. It felt hearty for a soup. Yeah. And I don't know if that was the cream or the potatoes yeah. or both. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun, again, like simple soup recipe. Cool. Yeah. That was it. So that was number one. So that's not very exciting. I feel like it's not a very exciting week for me in terms of cooking. But the next thing I made, I really, really liked. Spoiler alert. Ooh. Um, Ooh. It was a fun one. So so my second one, I wonder if we might have done something the same. This oh. one we might have done. But I don't know. Because I said courgettes earlier. And I don't know if... Have you done something yes. with courgettes? I have done something with courgettes. Okay. How do you know I've done something I don't with know. Courgettes? I don't know. I just here's how I got to this recipe and then I'll tell you okay. why I think that we might have done the same one right, right so as I said I went through it the book when I first got it and I was like what am I gonna fucking cook um yeah. wasn't very inspired went through it again picked the soup and I was like I don't mm. know what else to do like all the meat stuff just didn't seem very like exciting um or things yeah. that I would really want to eat so yeah in true millennial fashion I went on Instagram and searched for hashtag Elizabeth David <laughs> Oh, nice. And Good work. this recipe came up again and again um, in ah. between lots of her Mediterranean cooking, which I was like a bit sad about. Nah. That, you know, the, yeah. the, the lists came up with this book rather than some of her Mediterranean stuff, which I really have liked to have tried because it looked amazing. I so I might seek some of those recipes out. But mm. people were posting about this and it looked great. And people kept saying it was their, their favorite Elizabeth David recipe ever. And I was like, oh, well, now I have to try have it. To it. And it's the yeah. gratin of courgette and tomatoes, the baked courgette oh. and tomatoes. Have you done that nice. one? Nice. No, that's not what oh, I did. Phew. <laughs> but I did do something with courgette. Oh, so nice. This is going to be a, a courgette heavy yeah. <laughs> episode. I feel like she does wonders for them. They're not particularly an exciting vegetable, but um, yeah, yeah. mine at least, I was. it was great by the end Ooh. of it. So it's almost like a ratatouille-esque thing then, is it? Yeah, not, kind of. Yeah. It's not ratatouille. Yeah, no, Calm your jets, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like She says that it's great and she says that it's uh, time consuming. But I didn't think it took, you know, I mean, I don't know if my world is skewed after doing this podcast yeah. and some of the stuff. But <laughs> didn't feel that time consuming. It all felt, again, I think there's a difference between time consuming and hard and time consuming and, and simple or yes. easy. Yeah. So it's quite a big recipe. Two pounds of courgettes. Whoa. And a pound of tomatoes. Did you have that just left over from your shop visit where you meant to get like one? <laughs> yeah. I could have made it again based on what I bought from the fucking shop. <laughs> um, so you you roughly kind of peel the courgettes. So you leave some kind of green coming through. And mm. you're supposed to peel the tomatoes. But, you know, fuck that. I didn't do that. I'll be honest. <laughs> because I saw that you're chopping them up, right? Like, And they're yeah. cooking them. Like, yeah, and also, yeah. What's I wouldn't point? do it even if you weren't. Like, no. You get the courgettes, you slice them up, salt them, put them in a colander, let them to mm. like drain for a bit. Yeah, she likes that. Yeah. Then after a while, you get them in a tea towel and dry them off. Keep Get them mm. as dry as possible, basically, is the aim. Um, she she calls this out, actually, in the uh, recipe about how this only butter is used as like your oil and like flavoring, really. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of butter. But you basically then fry in batches the courgettes in some butter until they're okay. kind of translucent. After you've done that, you add more um, butter to your pan. You, oh. <laughs> yeah. Add the tomatoes, some garlic, some parsley, which is uh, key for this book. It's in every fucking recipe, every single one, parsley. And what I found is it's actually quite hard to find like normal 
curly parsley, right? Compared yeah. to flat leaf these flat days. Flat leaf is a yeah, the, the main market dominator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I I'll be honest, I think I used flat leaf in this. So I don't think I could find curly. I should just grow it, but um I'm lazy and bad at things. So Does she specify what the difference like that you should use curly parsley? No. No, but I just presumed because, you know. Cur- curly's the OG. Yeah. Yeah. The European OG, I would guess. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so tomato garlic parsley. Um, but here's her, like, another one of her pernickety little statements where she says, oh, yeah. um, you probably need to make this dish a few times uh, <laughs> because it's very difficult to get this bit to the consistency that is right. Right. Um, where it's it's not too dry and not too wet. Okay. Uh, and she says it needs to be like a, a thickish puree. Right. And if it's too watery, she says, uh, it's amateurish. This dish tastes amateurish. So I was like, I'll fuck you up, David. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make this perfect. (laughs) Yeah. This lady knew her mind, knew her Um, opinions. So I was worried because I was like, oh, if it goes too... I mean, I had lots more tomatoes, so it's all right. I could have added more tomatoes. (laughs) You've been eating her for a week now, so you've really nailed it. (laughs) Um. I feel like I did all right. And so then you pour oh. the tomato mixture into the gratin dish and kind of like, she says amalgamate, like, so just oh. mix it all up. <laughs> and it's supposed to fill the dish. And it did. Because that's, that's a lot of courgettes, two yeah, pounds worth of courgettes. And then you add breadcrumbs on top. Oh, nice. And then you uh, get your butter. More butter. Your butter's back. And you just put blobs <laughs> of butter all over the top. <laughs> That just makes everything better. Everything in a while, like glass of butter. <laughs> it really did. And then you pop it in the oven to bake. Ooh, um, nice. I think about half an hour, I can't remember. And it comes out, it makes your house smell like butter, which is not, quite nice. Like bait. It's a bit like the shortbread actually today. <laughs> yeah. The whole house smell like warm butter. But it's so nice. Really? Yeah. It was really, I ate it um, because it's quite big and uh, my husband wasn't interested at all. He doesn't <laughs> like courgettes. Uh, but I ate it for a couple of days in, in a row and I like rebaked it on the second day. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess it's the butter. But like yeah. the courgettes like tasted like something. The yes. tomatoes really added to it. It's nice yeah. with that crunchy breadcrumb topping. Like it would be the perfect side dish. Yes. Um, she says like it goes with lamb. Um, right. It was really good and I would absolutely make it again. I guess because everything's in season. So they have that extra flavor. Yeah. They already have taste. Yeah. And then you're adding butter to it, which like brings out the <laughs> taste. I would recommend. And so I, I agree with people that say that's a great recipe on Instagram. Ah. Um, and we'll be adding to that one. Hashtag Elizabeth <laughs> David. <laughs> When I like looked up, when I googled what a lot of people's favorite recipes for, they were all very meaty. Like I think Jamie mm. Oliver had one that was like, oh no, maybe it was Hoppy. It was like chicken and tarragon or something. Yeah. And the, yeah, there were a lot of the kind of classic meat dishes, which obviously I wasn't that into. But I'm yeah. glad you found a veggie one. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Well, what did you cook? Well, I made three things, but they felt things. two things felt very easy, quite easy, and so. I was lucky enough to be on holiday last week and I was in Madeira. Oh, yes, you have some great pictures for Instagram. Yes. This episode. Yeah, ish, sure. Um, <laughs> no, no, not of you, I mean of your cooking. <laughs> I'm not going to be putting my holiday yeah. snaps How on my holiday. <laughs> This is me drinking a cocktail by the pool. <laughs> <This> <laughs> Why, you were here for the food content? 
what? Um, but I felt very led by that because I wasn't sure what I would be able to get or whatever. But then I stumbled across this amazing um, supermarket. And oh my God, I just love supermarkets on holiday. I mean, they're the best. <gasps> it's just so good. There was nothing really lacking. But I, anyway, my courgette thing that I made was the courgette souffle. Ooh. which my family were like <laughs> asking what I was going to be cooking while I was on holiday in this Airbnb with like really limited equipment yeah. and I was like oh just a souffle <laughs> they were like wow okay way to make yeah. it easy on yourself no like this. but actually she did make it sound quite simple and this so she has a recipe for mini courgette souffles just before this and then she just says well you can also make them in kind of one big dish so that's what I did and I I purchased a little two euro whisk in the supermarket that I was thrilled with and then just did everything in this kind of Pyrex dish essentially. Did you take the Pyrex dish with you? No it was there because I had an Airbnb so there was a kitchen and everything so it it was pretty well stocked um she did say like the, the dish should have like one and a quarter to one and a half pints capacity and I just like I have no concept of what that yeah. is so I was like this will <laughs> do so basically you make the courgettes like you did where you slice them salt them put mm-hmm. them in a colander and then you put a weight on them um and just try and get out all the water and then you cook them with in a this is what's strange so you you drain them but then you cook them in some water to get oh. them really soft and she's like it's it's imperative that you get all the water out it's like but you're just adding some back in <laughs> you're re- rehydrating yeah but then she says you can't you shouldn't add much more than a ladle full or whatever so then you sieve the courgettes so you make kind of a pulp and you make a bechamel <laughs> sauce why are you laughing at do pulp? Not... <laughs> no i was thinking do not use a food bill <laughs> I'm also eating a shortbread. (laughs) No food mill here. Make a joke. Yeah, so you make a bechamel sauce as well, and you add cheese to that. And um, she says Gruyere, but I use some kind of like local um, cow's cheese that I found there that seemed legit. So you put your courgette then into that bechamel, and then on the side you whisk up some egg whites so they're like in soft peaks. So your humble brag here is that you uh, hand whisked some egg whites yes with your two euro tiny whisk with my two euro tiny whisk and then I was like so proud of this that I took a picture of my whisk against this like lovely Madeira sunset and texted it to Vic being like I've still got it <laughs> and we'll put like a knob <laughs> absolutely you do still have it and we're <laughs> thank proud you. of you thank you no because in the first in the first part of cordon bleu when you're doing the like basic pastry bit they make you hand whisk everything and there's like machines sitting around the room and we're always we're always like can we just whisk them in the KitchenAid or whatever and they're like no 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 for basic everyone has to use their hands so like we always used to hand whisk everything but then when you move up you get to use the machine a bit more but um yeah so that's why I was just particularly proud that I could still do it anyway you (laughs) fold in these white into your bechamel sauce and then you put it all into your buttered pyrex dish as i did and that's that's standing in some water in another baking dish and then you just cook that in the oven for like 40 45 minutes Mm. and it does puff up quite a bit and then it doesn't it doesn't really stay like when it comes out it kind of like comes down a little bit (laughs) is that your dolphin noise (laughs) nope um (laughs) 
and yeah and that was it but it was actually I expected it to fail massively because I was just I wasn't really weighing anything I was eyeballing everything and I just thought it wouldn't work but it was actually really really delicious like it was so light I thought maybe it would turn out a bit like a crustless quiche or whatever those depressing things are called so bleak but um (laughs) (laughs) the this was just lovely and light and airy and it did like a felt souffle like I would totally make it again Mm. I just kept going back to the dish and having more and more mouthfuls of it it was just it was really delicious the cheese made it though I feel like without that it wouldn't be quite as interesting but yeah I would recommend that she's made it might be a bad name of the week <laughs> she's made it um so you can also do it in like the little ramekin dishes yeah. as well but I mean why bother make it in the big one yeah I think it was great and alongside that then I made this was just a weird dinner that I put together <laughs> I made the onions stewed in wine oh I picked this because it was simple and I thought that the ingredients would be easy to get, but also because I've made that um, in the Ottolenghi flavour book, Ottolenghi yeah. episode mention of the week, there's the miso onions. Yes, the miso butter onions. Oh my God, which are so good. Yeah. You just like mix, you just bake onions for ages in like a mix of like butter and miso and water, I think it is. And just, they are incredible when they come out. So I think I just still had that in my memory when I picked this recipe because it sounds fairly similar a couple of concepts I wasn't quite familiar with in the intro to this recipe (laughs) (laughs) one was like this is the dish to make when you have a glass of wine to spare not quite sure what that is (laughs) can't relate (laughs) but the main thing was like or perhaps when you have been bullied or cajoled by one of the Breton onion boys into buying far more onions than you know what to do with Is that what happened to you with your courgettes and tomatoes? You were just bullied by one of those Breton, Breton courgette courgette boys. Pet boys. I feel like Breton onion boys is actually a bad name of the week. I would be in that band and I know exactly what the uniform would be. So it's very, very simple. You peel. Um, she says you peel six to eight rather large onions, all the same size. I did it uh, just a couple. And then you put them in a thick pan with um, olive oil. And then when the oil is beginning to sizzle, you pour in your wine and you let it boil fiercely for a few seconds. Um, and then you add water to come halfway up the onions and you put that in a low a low oven. I mean, my oven was like about waist high. <laughs> so I wasn't sure. <laughs> No, I genuinely didn't really know what that meant. And it was it, the, the water and the, the like liquid wasn't even like moving. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to turn that up a bit. I think I had it at like 180 or something. Yeah. And then to finish it off, you put it back on a fast flame for two or three minutes and you kind of reduce down the sauce. And it was nice. It was nice. I think yeah. I probably would have added a little bit more wine because you kind of lost that flavour because it had cooked out, um, essentially. But yeah, it was like a really simple way to do onions. It sounds like... like So you keep the onions whole? You keep the onions whole, yeah. It sounds like the maybe the onions are too big for that. Like it's, it, The recipe sounds a little bit like the whiny onions that you have to make for Julia Charles beef bourguignon which I yes. made but they were like tiny 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 onions. shallots yeah um, yeah and I they wonder were if it'd be better if they were closer to the liquid you know yeah I did feel like there was a lot of 
uh, me just trying to fix things on the yeah. spot probably but then I just wasn't sure because there just like weren't many measurements if I had just maybe bought onions that were a bit too big because I think I added more liquid and then like I said I turned up the heat and then there's something else as well so I felt like a lot of it I was just like winging it it's like somebody said to me you just cook the onions in wine and water yeah, yeah. and I was like okay I'll just try and do this myself <laughs> it wasn't much direction yeah yeah maybe this is one of the ones that just doesn't work though a la Nige. maybe or maybe one that I should be making you know every day this week to try and get it better you probably should <laughs> but I think from for an onion dish I'm gonna stick with Otto's um miso onions because they're Otto's. the best if you have that book if you have that flavor book please yeah. make those miso onions yeah, yeah. it's so good do. The last thing I made was just was in the dessert section. Oh, I was hoping that you'd make a dessert. Well, it was very simple. Two of your least favorite things. I'm going to say these words together and you're probably going to have a physical reaction. <laughs> Can you guess what these things? It's strawberries and cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry cream. That's exactly what it is. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't, just to say, I don't, I don't hate strawberries. I'm allergic to them. Yes. And I don't really like cream. So there yeah, you go. That's, yeah, that's true. That'll do it. Anyway. Sorry, Les. <laughs> it's okay. This I'm here for all your strawberry cream needs. You're there for the meaty stuff and the dill. <laughs> Balance each other. <laughs> yeah. Dilly meat. This is really simple. You hull some strawberries and you sieve them to a pulp. Pulpin. You're just pulpin all day long <laughs> today. Yeah, it should have been called pulpin provincial <laughs> cooking. Did you notice as well that she calls tuna tunny fish in this by the way (laughs) it's the cutest t-u-n-n-y fish and i think i'm gonna call tuna that from now on i thought it was very cute anyway sorry like i'll be honest it sounds kind of irish you know ah oh we cooked the tunny fish up with the potatoes (laughs) (laughs) i feel like they weren't cypress potatoes but they did all the same (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yes if there's strawberries to a pulp like it just extracted a lot of kind of water from the strawberry it was just essentially made strawberry juice so I kind of mixed some of the sieved stuff back in there so there's some (laughs) texture and then you whisk up some double cream and you also whisk an egg white and fold that into the double cream which is nice it kind of lightens it and then you put the strawberry pulp into that cream and then you add a little caster sugar And then you arrange the cream piled up in a shallow bowl and you stir in some reserved whole strawberries before serving. So it's like strawberries and cream, but just like a little bit more fancy. Um, And it was nice. I'd never done that before. I'd never folded an egg white into cream before. Like a meringue. Yeah. But speaking of meringue, that's what was really missing for me. I felt like this was like... Crunch. Good eating mess if you... Mm had like a meringue base or something or I just crumbled over some meringue because yeah. it was missing the texture for me like um it was all yeah. very very mushy but yeah, as I've said before French the French love a mushy dessert um well here I am you know almost 24 hours later from eating a royal white and I'm still alive and well <laughs> it's fine they're in cocktails right that, that's you know it's a strawberry it's sour it's absolutely fine <laughs> I think of all of the things I would just make the courgette souffle again. That would be that the That sounds very thing. impressive, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's pretty good. Was there anything that you saw that you wanted to make? Um, the third dish I was going to make was like a lentil thing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there were good good lentil yeah, content. You, I mean, I feel like I haven't seen in French stuff before. Um, yeah. Lentils with parsley butter. 
<laughs> oh, there you go. Um, it's a parsley mention. And it was li- it's literally, I think, just like cooked cooked in like a stock and then with the like p- parsley butter that you've made, which is a different recipe, like stirred through them. So I bet they'd be lovely. Nice. Yeah, that sounds good. You? Not much. Again, I think this is one of the books, like Joy of Cooking or something that like I'm proud to have. I like having it on my shelf, but probably won't cook from it that much. Yeah. But it's it's nice to browse through. It's like a, a window to the past. <laughs> there was a chocolate and almond cake that I thought could be interesting to do. Don't love chocolate cake, but I feel like sometimes a really nice, simple one is, is, is a great thing. So I was quite intrigued by that. But yeah, no, that rice and tomato salad, I kind of still just want to make to see what, what the deal is there. What's the dill? <laughs> Sorry, there is no dill in that. You better get there quickly because we're fast coming out of tomato season and I feel like yes. more tomato is going to taste like ass <laughs> on top of your rice. And then what we talk about, we'll just bitch about unripe tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, how like with all these recipes we've got, I've got bloody tomatoes in there. And it's not tomato season. It's fine. It's about to be autumn, so we're into like oh, squash yeah. season, which is, you know, pumpkin baby. Pumpkin spice latte, Susan. Shall we rate? Should we rate this? Oh, I didn't sing my recipe titles. I'm so sorry. Will I do it now? <laughs> do you want to do it now and then we'll cut them back in? <laughs> yeah. Courgette souffle. So you're going to do it in French? No. Souffle au courgette. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely accent there. Thank you. Let's rate. Let's rate. Do you want me to? I'll just talk a little bit. I'll talk a little. I'll just talk a little bit about our rating system. <laughs> I'll just remind you guys about our lovely rating system, which we yes. use here on the old Potty Pod. We rate out five. We have five different categories, uh, and every episode we we give a rating out of five. And I'm going to say five at least five more times. <laughs> First of the five is <laughs> second of the five. Third of the five. <laughs> Is that your favourite boy band growing up? You know what? I wasn't. They were fine. What? They were five. <laughs> fine five. <laughs> like, I liked them fine. Five. <laughs> oh, I loved five. Did yeah. you? Who's your favourite? Oh, hard to pick. I went through phases of each of them. I liked Scott with the spiky hair for a while. Fun fact, went to C5 um, when I was younger, but only two of them showed up. What? Why? I don't know. Something had happened. It was a reunion tour. No, no, it was back in their heyday, back in in Dublin. And my mother took me out. It was, uh, yeah, two two out of five. 40% of the band was there. Anyway. Taking um, you know, down to Temple Bar <laughs> the night before, and they just couldn't hack it. Even drinking all those nine euro pints. <laughs> um, right. What am I doing? Rating. 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 Our five rating system. <laughs> so each episode, we choose a new thing to rate out of based on the the chef, and um, we'll get to that in a minute for lovely Lizzie D, as I like to call her. <laughs> um, but here are the five. <laughs> categories i feel like i was gonna go five but the four the three three two one (laughs) so number one usability and accessibility that's one (laughs) two ingredients used are they easy to find did we manage to get good tomatoes aesthetics is number three uh how does a book look Number four is, is the book veggie friendly? And number five is inspirability. How inspired were we to cook from it? And this week, because we mentioned it a couple of times, we are going to (laughs) 
great <laughs> this book out of parsley. parsley parsley curly parsley apparently no flat leaf here flatty parsley that's <laughs> scumbags only <laughs> curly parsley um allowed which i is exceedingly difficult to buy exceedingly look at you getting into that. elizabeth david's territory oh terribly to difficult to find Rather tough <laughs> i had to send to jeeves <laughs> to the food mill and he couldn't find the, the curly pie food mill sounds so like you know dark yeah something from the hunger games <laughs> yeah where they make beef mints or something <laughs> right Hannah, how many parsleys out of five? Well, I think pedantic Liz would not like us pluralizing parsley, but here we are. I think I think you can only have parsley plants. Five pla- parsley, five leaves. parsley, one parsley, two parsley, three parsley, four. If you're getting down, baby. <laughs> I feel a great loyalty to this book and to Elizabeth David as a woman. She... <laughs> okay. Because of all her lovers. <laughs> we should have read it out of lovers out of five. Shit, we should have read it out of <laughs> Yeah, just because my mum loved it and I feel like there's so much love for her in the world that is probably... Oh, look at me with all my caveats. Right, I'm going to give it a four. Ooh. Parsley out of five. And that is because I, I'm giving it points for usability ingredients because everything was pretty easy to find aesthetics i'm gonna give it one because i just like how old school it looks vic's making a face now she's like fuck off here you are back in your sentimental shite back in your nigella five out of five the chef with hannah this week (laughs) not the fucking book (laughs) i like having a nice little old book on the shelf it looks you know it's nice. My my spine. Victoria looks so bored, by the way. She's like twirling her hair and looking off camera. And she does not want oh, any not. of my shit. I was actually thinking, look, look how, how small yours compares to mine. Mine's oh. like 500 pages. Yeah, so is mine. Oh. Okay, yeah, so the only point I was taking off was for inspirability because I didn't feel like massively blown away to want to make anything. But I'm still giving it those other four points because... I credit Liz with doing great stuff for the British food scene, bringing veggies and apparently like tahini and stuff and everything she was into too. So nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm rating the chef. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) You're fired. I know. Next week, Vic will be solo again. I'm bringing Scott from five. (laughs) (laughs) Chat's better than me anyway. How many parsley? (laughs) Are you giving this out of five? I am not being as generous as you. I know. Uh, uh, but but not by much. I'm only going to give it three. Okay, it's the same as you, but it's dropping the aesthetics point. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of words. <laughs> and I, a lot of words I didn't really want to read about. So I'm giving it three parsley. Or three ease. parsley. Parsley's. Three lovers out of five. Three parsley, three parsley lovers. lovers out of five. Um, it go. It drops for aesthetics. It drops for inspirability. You know, if you asked me before we did this book, I would have expected to drop one for veggie friendly as well. Again, it's not suitable for vegans. No, but no French cooking. But is. lots of vegetable stuff. You know, I made two vegetable vegetarian dishes. I wonder how easy it's going to be for a vegan to do our next book. Ooh, what a transition! But <laughs> <laughs> how easy will it be? <laughs> do you want to tell us about the next book? No. Uh, yeah actually i do fucking want to tell you about it (laughs) so excitingly our next episode is uh not a french book and it is a baking book which we're both excited about and it is baking from my home to yours 
by Dory Greenspan. I'm going to call this the Ted Lasso of the the cookbook <laughs> world because it's so wholesome looking. So and just wholesome. Like, so pure. This fucking recipe for Ted Lasso biscuits is biscuits. <laughs> biscuits. <laughs> biscuits. <laughs> already. Make it. <laughs> <laughs> we both lost Dory it. Greenspan baking from yeah. my home to yours uh, yeah. very wholesome very. a lot of like you know I've said it before and I've said it again I love feeling like the pioneer woman and I feel like this is going to make me feel like the pioneer woman <laughs> I think it's going to make me feel like the pioneer woman <laughs> but it might make me feel pioneer like the pioneer woman, woman. Oh, different <laughs> yeah I feel like Dory Greenspan is well loved isn't she in America yeah. I'm interested to see what she's like Oh, God, it's going to be full of cops, isn't it? Oh, it's going to be full of cops. Yeah. Anyway, can't (laughs) wait to bake. I've I've seen lots of muffins. I feel like already feel inferior. No. Because no, no, I'm not that good. No, I'm really, really mediocre. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) She says, having told you how she whipped up some fucking (laughs) egg yolks earlier by hand with a tiny two euro. That has nothing to do with my cooking skill, but my excellent muscle strength. She's been working out. Wow, we really have to go now. <laughs> yeah, we do. I've I've got a lot yeah. of dissertation to write. We've, and, we've uh, really digressed. You know, Ted Lasso biscuits to eat. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank See you, you next for listening. Time. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Cookbook Circle. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review as it helps others to find us. You can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our Instagram, at Cookbook Circle. And if you make anything from the books we talk about, please don't forget to tag us. See you next time. Bye! Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.